Welcome to Foothills Youth Podcast, where we help people follow Jesus. Just as an FYI, um, we're coming at every single thing we're talking about this series uh, from a Christian perspective in the eyes that we, what we believe is like those doctrinal truths that Jesus is God and all of that. If you ever have any questions or you feel like you, there was a question that maybe went unanswered, um, check. I'm going to try and, and as best I can to make all of these notes available to you so that you can go over them at a later time. You can read them over. You can try and get like a bit of a recap. Um, I'm recording it because we're going to try and make like a recording available to you in some way, shape or form as well. Uh, basically, we just want this to be a tool for you to kind of be able to reference and go back on and say, hey, yeah, I know that there's a, I have like a Catholic friend or a Buddhist friend or an atheist friend and maybe I just want to have ways and remember the ways because I didn't take notes which is fine, not everybody's a note-taker, uh, and, and try to refer back to what we talked about. Um, so my, my very first, or like very first real experience with a Catholic, being in a Catholic church, being in a, uh, in a, in a Catholic surrounding was, uh, I had to do a, uh, which is surprised it took it this long, but I had to do a, a, a project for Ambrose, and it was like sociology of a religions class, and so which is as exciting as it sounds. And... I had to go to two different either religions or uh, a different, basically go to a different group of, of worship different than my own. And so the one I picked was Mormonism and the other one I picked was Roman Catholicism. And so I went uh, to Mass in between, uh, actually in between the two services here because I couldn't book work off and they're actually not that long so it was kind of nice. So I hopped over uh, to the church and I sat down and the first thing I noticed and we're not going to go into these, but I saw these guys, there was a number of them walking around with vests and a crest that said like Knights of Columbus. And I was like, well, that sounds like a cool group to be a part of. Like, what's that? But also I was like, Knights. Like I played Assassin's Creed and so Knights Templar, those aren't good guys. And I was like, I feel like I should like learn up a little bit about this. But I realized how little I knew about the difference between Catholicism and what we call, what we practice is Protestantism. So we're Protestants by definition. And also this might be, this is very teachy, this one, because, well, we're, we're teaching you. <laughs> and, and we'll have a part of it, we'll have like application at the very end as well. Um, so what, first question though that I think, oh, that was fast. Um, it was more than two seconds. So first question I think what everybody wants to know, are Roman Catholics Christians? Some of them, yes. Other of them hold to the particular beliefs that like maybe would disqualify them, but we're not coming at this as like, no, they don't believe Jesus or they're like not going to heaven because they practice what they practice. I've met Jesus following Christians who practice Catholicism and that's totally fine. For some that is, they love the liturgy of it. They love to stand up and sit down and stand up and sit down and sing and have like prayers, like written out prayers. Like the one thing that they do really, really, really well is their liturgy like the stuff that they have to make accessible like so i was looking up there's actually an app that if you really want to you can go look at and they have prayers they have like morning prayers afternoon prayers and evening prayers so if you don't know how to pray like those might be some ways that you could look the hell marys though that's we're going to talk about that so what's the other thing i was going to say oh yes do they have different beliefs for sure 100 percent. and we're going to go over those so what do they believe that would that we would agree with they believe in the Trinity. God is three in one. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. 
That's the big one. Jesus is God. That's very important. If we don't believe Jesus is God, we're talking in like, we're having a very different conversation. Uh, they believe in the virgin birth. That's important because Jesus was born sinless and perfect. And that he was actually um, conceived by the Holy Spirit or in Mary through the Holy Spirit. The sinlessness of Christ very, oh yeah, I put Merry Christmas. I forgot to say that because it's coming and I know some of you love Christmas. Uh, yeah, there it is. Um, Jesus is perfect. Also pretty important because otherwise the sacrifice would be kind of for naught. And uh, the atonement of the cross, payment for sin. All of these things we agree on. That's really important. So why are we even talking about it? Because those seem like big things. Well, that. <laughs> We're talking about it because some of the things they hold when it comes to tradition, the Apocrypha, like the what? How to be saved, the Pope, because everybody wants to know about the Pope, penance, purgatory, praying through dead people, and holy water, because I thought it'd be kind of fun to throw it in there. Um, and so we're just going to go through each one of these and explain what that, like what they believe and how it looks. Uh, not there yet. And. Uh, <clears throat> and, and basically break it down piece by piece, okay? So, tradition, first thing, very important. They believe that tradition and scripture hold the same level, like they are at the same level. So basically what you do, uh, okay, so let me give you an example. The Bible doesn't say that we have to do youth group the way that we do youth group, you know? Like, because we could say, no, this is, this is the way to do it. And, and because this is the way, it, 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 this is the way we do it. It is the right way, and it is the only way to be, you know, have an actual relationship with Jesus. The Bible does not say, thou must do youth group. <laughs> if we were to say that our way was the only way, and we've been doing it for so long, and so that's why we should do it, and it must be true because we've been doing it for so long, and that must be like true like Scripture is true, then we're in dangerous territory. Because then we begin to add to what we think the Bible misses, and so we, 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 we kind of get into sketchy territory. The reason we actually do youth ministry is to make disciples, Matthew 28, and that we should help raise our kids, our students, you, in the way they should go, Proverbs 22, 6. You are apprentices of Jesus, so we gather to raise you up, and just because we do it one way doesn't mean that's the way, or the only way, or the supposed to be way. Where this gets a little bit wonky is what they believe is not only based on the Bible, but also their traditions of the Roman Catholic Church. And, and, and Catholic tradition actually kind of goes beyond that in that it sacralizes tradition. So to say that because what, we've do, what we are doing or how long we've been doing is actually this must be true or we can put it in that realm of we must do it because it's tradition and so it's as true as scripture is true that's a little sketchy this is what it says in their catechism also one more thing if you ever also want to know where i got all the things that i'm talking from i have a huge list i'll make it available to you can look at it so i'm not just making this up um but this is what their catechism says which is their training for students or for kids getting into uh, into teenagehood from at 12 years old, they get confirmed all of that. Both scripture and tradition must be accepted and honored at equal sentiments of devotion and reverence. Basically, tradition is same level as scripture. They believe that what they do, the tradition that they hold, is the same level as the Bible. 
This is not, and you might be like, woo, that seems a little sketchy. Like, you think that if we ever wandered outside of the three songs announcement, two more songs, and then sermon, we might be in dangerous territory. We'd be okay. We, we'd be just fine. But this is not an old problem. In Mark 7, Jesus talks about this to the Pharisees. There's a situation where the disciples didn't wash their hands before they ate. And the Pharisees got upset about it. They're like, hey, why don't you guys wash your hands like the traditional way of eating? I mean, it's kind of the not gross way of doing it, is washing your hands. But they, 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 they held this so high. They were distracted by the wrong thing. And what we do when we say tradition is the same level as Scripture, we can then begin to add and fill in blanks where maybe Scripture doesn't address certain things or particular things and say that is just as true. And it's not. There's nothing wrong with tradition. There's absolutely nothing wrong with tradition, a.k.a. youth group. But as long as it lines up with Scripture, as long as it lines up with the Bible, that's what's really important. What we believe is that the Bible is sufficient, and it's the authority of Scripture is what we believe in. Why? It's because the Bible is what we need alone for our own like spiritual authority. All the things we need to know, believe, practice, are clearly stated in Scripture, which is given by the inspiration of God, not by man or woman, because we're not sexist. Um, the Apocrypha. I brought. I had to actually buy this for school. So this is looks like Bible, smells like a Bible, walks like a Bible, all of that. But it's just got an extra little something, something in it. Um, and it's the Apocrypha. Now, Catholics, they have a larger biblical canon, which basically they believe there is more than our 66 books of the Bible that are by, that are Scripture, and they are uh, the books are Tobit, Judith, First and Second Maccabees, Sirach, Baruch, and some additions to Daniel and Esther. And so, let me just tell you why we don't have those books in our Bible. Oh, sorry, Mason. That's I don't want to be more Jason gentle with that. Um, one, they teach that a person is saved by works or by payment with money. That you can, like, you got enough money, you can buy your salvation. Uh, yeah. They teach on praying to saints. They teach on purgatory. And all of these things we're about to talk about. So don't worry, we're not going to just, like, fly over this. Um, it's never cited in the New Testament of Scripture. It's been rejected by the Jewish community, Jewish culture as Scripture. And even their writers did not recognize them as the Word of God or Jesus or the apostles, like the guys who wrote the extra ones, they never said this is God's word. They weren't officially accepted by the Roman Catholic Church until the 16th century, which was way after the canon was decided. And it's not, historical po it's not historically possible to defend the accuracy of the Apocrypha, aka none of them were actually written in the original Hebrew, like the Old Testament stuff, were actually written in the original Hebrew. Um, they were written in Greek, which means they were written after all of the Old Testament was written. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't go anywhere near them. Actually, you'll find some, a lot of Protestants will say that a lot of like, like big name people say, it's actually really good for learning. It's good for spiritual discipline. It's good to learn from. It's not scripture. Keep key, key, key difference. But it's yet, it's good for reading and it's good for some learning. Now, everybody knows Lord of the Rings, right? Yeah? Who here's actually read the books? Wow. Like props. Like, such a good, if you haven't yet, 
They are actually better than the movies, even though the movies were fantastic. So, J.R.R. Tolkien, the guy who wrote The Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit, like all of those books. So, he actually died in the middle of like, before he actually finished some of his work, like some of his, of, of like, what, like what now, let's say, Kevin Feige dies before all of the Marvel Universe is completed, right? Gerald Tolkien died before the entire, what we know now is like the Middle Earth universe existed. So what happened was his son, Chris, was like, well, there's a lot of good stuff here. I'm actually going to write some of this and add to it as well. And, and so he wrote stuff that was actually based off some of his dad's work. But you can't actually say they are completely authored by J.R.R. The same goes for the Apocrypha. The source is different than what we consider canon. The scriptures are God-breathed. 2 Timothy 3.16 And based on the evidence above, that is not the case for the Apocrypha. Okay? Everybody tracking with me? I know this is a lot. Give me just like head shakes. Yeah, you're following. Yeah, and if not, remember this will be available. Okay, next thing. Justification. <clears throat> How to be saved, aka another word. What they believe. They believe that justification, so if you ever get a ticket, which I'm sure some of you either do already have or will at some point in the future because you'll go too fast. Uh, I'm not going to point anybody out, but I know of some of you who speed a little more than they maybe should. <laughs> <laughs> Not looking at them, though. Um, and, and so you'll probably get a ticket. Now, say, say you go, you want to challenge that, you want to challenge a ticket because you don't actually think you were speeding. And let's say you have viable proof for that. Or, and, and, and so you go into the judge and you say, hey, this is the reason I, I wasn't actually with, this isn't actually possible, so this has a lot of holes um, because the police are like always right. Um, and all of a sudden you put in this evidence and boom, I am actually innocent. All of your debt's gone. All of the ticket, the, the, the $180, whatever it was, that you were charged for speeding over the limit, gone. Justified. You are justified in the eyes of the court. Justification is a process, they believe. Dependent on the grace you receive, this is what they believe, that it's dependent, their salvation is dependent on the grace you receive by participating in the church which is seen as a source of saving grace, a.k.a. you pay for more of your sin by going to church. That's one way that you can kind of get rid of more of your guilt. What this means is what we do as Protestants, why we do what we do, is because of the fact that we have been saved and because of what Jesus did on the cross, that we believe it was complete and that when we place our lives in Him and accept Him into our lives and our soul, that we all of our sins are paid for in that moment. The cross was enough. The cross was enough. And then from that point, we begin to look more and more like Jesus through the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But they believe that no one can, can earn the initial grace of forgiveness and justification at conversion. But they can earn it for themselves and others. The grace is needed for their sanctification to look, to be saved, to look more like Jesus, for the increase of grace and charity, and for the attainment of eternal life. That's where it gets messy. We can't earn our salvation. Does everybody hear that? You cannot do anything to pay for your sin. You don't have the moolah. You don't have the beautiful artistic skills that could ever pay for the sin that you have committed in your lives. Only Jesus could do that. What they call justification, we call sanctification. That's the process of looking more like Christ. They see justification as a process 
that we don't receive the full righteousness of Christ at the moment of salvation, what, where we believe what we, where we believe we do at conversion, but the process of looking more like Christ is sanctification. For Catholics, salvation is claimed through the taking of the sacraments of Mass. What are those sacraments? Baptism, confirmation, the Eucharist, which is the Lord's Supper, which they also believe that that is another sacrifice that you can give to help pay. You are partaking in that sacrifice, but really the sacrifice was complete and final at the cross. Penance, which is confession or reconciliation, which is forgiveness through a priest. Anointing of the sick. Holy orders, which are like becoming a bishop or a priest or a deacon. And matrimony, marriage. That's a lot. Okay? Tracking? Justification? Yeah? What they believe, you have to actually, you can actually earn it. Where what we believe is we do because we couldn't earn it and Jesus already paid for us. Yeah? Okay. The Pope. Why do they have a Pope? Because they interpret... When Jesus said to Peter, on this rock I will build my church, um, they consider that to be Peter. His name meant actually smaller rock. Um, but the word that was uh, actually used there was um, the word Pope is not actually found in Scripture. And uh, that Peter was the rock. They thought that Peter was the rock that Jesus would build his church on. So it was interpreted that Peter would be the head of the church. The difference... Peter's name means small rock. <laughs> and the word that Jesus uses is Petra, which is a much bigger rock. And we believe that Jesus is the head of the church. They say that the Pope is infallible, a.k.a. cannot make a mistake, is, is perfect. That's sketchy, because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Jesus is the cornerstone. And, and Peter even says himself that he never assumed the role of a Pope, but he was a fellow shepherd of God's flock, Acts 10, 22, 26. <laughs> and he's not infallible. And Jesus is the head of the church, Ephesians 1, and Colossians 1, 18. So they believe that Peter was the first pope, and that through like a succession, that people, uh, that, that the pope was infallible, and they just would succeed the last pope, and they were always the head of the church in between God and the rest of the church, which is not true. We have direct access to the Father. Now, penance, which means making up for the sin you committed. Now, there's two different types of sins that they say that you can kind of make up for. And they're really weird. i got to make sure I say this right. Venial and mortal. Now, mortal sins are like murder, rape, adultery, etc. Venial are the smaller sins that are a little bit easier to pay for. Now, after con they believe that after confession is made to a priest, the Catholic believer's sins are absolved. But if you've done a big enough sin, like a big one, they'll, what they'll do is they'll actually give you something to do to make up for that sin. They'll give you a task. Maybe it's, you, you know, it's like spiritual volunteer hours <laughs> to make up for the, cut, for the price that you, that, of what you did. And, and then it'll fit, it'll basically fit the sin what they do. Now, that might mean um, rep repeating a certain number of prayers, acts of self-discipline, fasting, uh, works of love, which could be, you know, anything from a kind word to patiently listening to someone. Now, you hear that and you're like, well, those sound like really good things. Well, they are. <laughs> They're great things. Uh, but they aren't supposed to be thought as earning or securing salvation or paying for your sin. Confession is a great practice. 
James 5.16 says to confess your sins to one another. So we can't absolve another person's sin by what we do. You can be the most fantastic, wonderful human being. You can go above and beyond your volunteer hours for, her, for grade 12. But that doesn't mean it's getting you into heaven. That doesn't mean it's paying for your sin. Only Jesus can do that. Only he can do that. Now, only God can forgive. Now, we can, what we can do is we can authority, authoritatively proclaim forgiveness because when we, we know when somebody confesses their sin to God that they are forgiven. So there's a big difference. Now, who here has heard of purgatory? Yeah, a couple of you? Right. Who here has ever tried to cook chicken before? Yeah, okay, what is the most frustrating or like scary part of cooking chicken? Yes, thank you. I am so overly like paranoid that my chicken will not be cooked enough. So almost every time I cook it, if you come and eat at my house and chicken is for dinner, it'll probably be cut in half when you get it. Because I'm like, yeah, and the people who actually cook get it. Because <laughs> like, I don't want to feed you bad meat. Like salmonella is not a good time. Like I've never had it, but it's not fun. So what do you do? You leave it in the oven a little bit longer until it's all done, right? Because it's not quite done because even though I've followed the recipe, I still cut into it and it's not finished. They believe that's kind of what purgatory is. <laughs> so, so even after living their life by the rule book, how you are supposed to live, even at the end, you're not quite done yet. So what they believe is that every believer, after they die, they are still not assured of immediate entrance into heaven and into the presence of God when they die. They believe that they can't actually pay for all of their sins in this life. They still expect to face punishments for sin in purgatory, which is a special place where, you know, you, you get rid of the salmonella. Like, it's just, it's just gone. Like, the special place where cleansing for payment of sins is completed and people finally get fit for heaven. They believe this because sinners have failed to make themselves perfect. And it actually is kind of heartbreaking because they miss out of the beauty of an all-loving, all-perfect God that the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross that he paid actually covered every sin. If we confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. And that his work is actually complete. It's actually full. And I, my heart actually is sad because it's, it's almost like thinking less of Jesus. It's like burning off anything that shouldn't have, be, shouldn't have been there and, and, and like just getting a little more ready for heaven. And here's another part of that. You can actually do some stuff to buy yourself less time in purgatory. They're called indulgences. Um, you can actually do it for yourself, they believe, and you can do it for other people as well. And, and that's, that's a number of things. It, it, it can, um, the Pope actually has the ability. So who here is like, followed Trump when he's done some of his presidential pardons of people who have like criminal records that like the court like they're they're guilty but then the president's like nope you're good you ever heard of that yeah sometimes so basically they believe the Pope has the same ability to like nope you don't have to spend any time in purgatory or nope their time in purgatory is done 
we don't have that a because purgatory doesn't believe doesn't exist and that actually Jesus makes that declaration of perfection not humans Jesus makes that declaration of perfection not humans um, okay prayers to Mary and dead saints to mediate on our behalf this one I think everybody has questions about um, so they believe Mary is like whew, elevated like she is the bomb like next to Jesus she is like she's everything but if you ever ask a, uh, if you ever ask a Catholic why do you worship Mary they'll actually tell you we don't worship Mary we pray through Mary she mediates on our behalf aka she's like which makes I mean fair enough you ever want to get to somebody go to their mom like like if you ever want to get a hold of somebody somebody's not responding to your text or like you know they're just being them go talk to mom because they will respond they'll get them on the phone whatever right away so I mean it kind of makes sense but all the same they believe that Mary was actually perfect immaculate conception aka she was born without Sid which John 52 says we're not nobody is that she they believe that even after Jesus was born that she was continually a virgin um, this is also not true because Jesus had brothers and sisters <laughs> and um, I don't know how but I'm pretty sure in vitro did not exist back then so like she was doing it um, <clears throat> Anyways, sorry. They believe that Mary went straight. I, oh, sorry. I, I actually really want to be careful. I don't want to mock. I, 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 don't, want, I don't want to insult. Because I'm, I'm, chances are in the room. So actually, I apologize for that. Because um, I'm sure that some of you in the room, maybe your background is Catholic. Uh, and, and, and I want to respect that. I want to honor that. I don't want to make light of that. So I'm sorry. Um, they believe that she went straight to heaven. Now, here's the other thing about that. John, like John the disciple, was the youngest of all the disciples. And at the, at the time Jesus died, Mary was at least, I don't know, how old? I don't want to do the math. I think you could have kids at like what, 14? Yeah? Probably about 46. She's probably, yeah, because 14 plus 33 is, you know, that. Um, and she was up there. And, and John was young, and he was the last of the disciples to be alive. And had she gone straight to heaven, John would have wrote that down. He would have said, like, in the, like, the number of books that he wrote, hey, Mary went straight to heaven, because that's just something you don't miss out on. And they believe that they, they, they elevate her. They put her on too high of a pedestal. In the Catholic Catechism, they believe that devotion to the Blessed Virgin is intrinsic to Christian worship. They call her an advocate, a helper, a benefactress, a mediatrix, which is also like basically another word for a mediator between God and humankind. And, and they pray Hail Mary prayers. So here's the thing. Um, the idea of a loving mother who can speak on our behalf, for some of you in the room, you may not have great mom figures. So the idea that a mom is listening to your prayers on your behalf and speaking to God for you, that's an attractive idea. But let me tell you a better truth. That you have direct, direct access to the Father through what Jesus did in sending His Holy Spirit. 
We don't have to pray to any human because we have access to the throne room of God. The veil that separated the Holy of Holies in the temple when Jesus died was split in two, which means now we have access to the Holy of Holies, to the presence of God. And that's a great news. That's great, great news. And um, even Jesus did an elevator. Uh, he, he, in, in one particular conversation, he's like, who is my mother and my brothers? And like, that's kind of rude, but like, there's no elevation of Mary there. Um, Catholic Church also practiced the veneration or like the reverence of saints. Um, dead models of faith recognized as saint by the church through canonization uh, and can be prayed to for help in maintaining faith in God. Now there are 4,000, over 4,000 dead saints um, and their remains are considered holy relics which are venerated, honored. Again, we have access to Jesus. I have seen people healed because they have prayed to the healer himself, not through another human. Because Jesus has made himself accessible to us. Okay. Um, oh, I missed one. Transubstantiation. So who here is taking communion? Yeah. Who here has ever taken communion at a Catholic church? Yeah, a couple of y'all. So um, they believe that when the elements, the, the bread and the wine, are blessed, it actually becomes the body and the blood of Jesus. Now, are you actually eating Jesus? No, no, no. They believe it's a sacrifice on behalf of the believer that, that the bread and wine becomes Jesus. Here is what a lot of commentaries, a lot of uh, commentators will say and, and, and argue on this. When Jesus said, this is my blood, this is my body, he was actually pointing to himself, not to the bread and the wine. That, that Jesus makes himself accessible, that he actually appears and makes himself known in the partaking of communion, which he commanded us to do, and says, I am here with you. It's an affirmation of his presence. It's a representation of what he did on the cross. Okay, I know this is like a lot. And then the holy water, they believe it's a symbol of purification. Blessed water was used to ward off unclean spirits um, and and. The reality is, is you have the power of God in you, and that's, if you want to fight the enemy, you've got the Spirit of God in you. That's all you need. Okay, so if you ever want to remember, like, in hindsight, two biggest difference, what they believe versus what we believe, is they would, uh, is authority and salvation. We differ on those two big things. They still believe in Jesus, but we believe that Jesus' sacrifice was complete. Okay, um, Romans 10, 1, 3, our, our hope is in Christ and Christ alone. Jesus is the head of the church, our high priest. Hebrews 4, 14, the Bible is the word of God and the sole guide for faith and practice. 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17, 1 John 5, 13. We've been given the Holy Spirit to interpret the scriptures. John 15, his sacrifice was complete. We are justified in being made into the image of Jesus. Faith alone through grace alone, in Christ alone, is how we are saved. Justification is immediate. Romans 5, 1, 10, 4, 1 Corinthians 1, 30, Philippians 3, 9. Jesus' sacrifice covered it all. There is so much more here, but I don't have enough time. So how do you, how do you, how do you engage? 
How do you talk to these people? How do you partner with them? They do a lot of amazing things in the city. There's a Catholic um, immigration society here in Calgary, and they'll deal with people who are coming from countries that are war-torn, that are escaping, that we need to partner with them and show them the love of Jesus, partner with our brothers and sisters in Christ to help these people. And they have a Calgary family service. The, and the number one thing, be friends. Straight up. This relationship for the sake of relationship, for the sake of the greatest relationship that you have, which is in Jesus, love them because Jesus loved us, that's the, that's the bottom line for any and everyone that you interact with. Ask them questions about not just what they believe, but who they are, about them. Ask questions like, what do you believe about Jesus? What do you think it takes to be saved? How are our sins paid for? Like, know the basics of your own faith. Alpha is a great choice. If, you have, if you've never been through Alpha and you want to know a little more of the basics of faith, join one in your high school. I bet you there's one already going. And, yeah, I'm, I'm going way over time. So, um, here's what we're going to do. You have uh, life group questions at the back. Um, so, life group leaders, grab them. Also, the rooms where you're at are at the back as well. There's, uh, what I'm putting in this this year is um, there's an extra challenge. For those of you who want to go deeper, to be more resilient disciples, there's a challenge at the bottom of this that, like, you have phones, you can take notes, you can write down what this is. This week it's write, reading an entire chapter of Mark that talks about tradition and honestly asking yourself your own question about why do I do what I do. Simple as that. Start asking yourself the hard question. Thank you. Bless you. In the name of Jesus, I just ask that what you, your truth would be known in us, that you would give us opportunity to bless and to get to know and be friends with our Roman Catholic um, brothers and sisters. For those who don't know the fullness of the payment yet, God, I pray that you would reveal that to them. Thank you, Lord, for your word and your truth. I pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen.